This podcast brought to you by Earthlink. It's Thursday, March 16th, 2006. I'm Tom Merritt. I'm Molly Wood. I'm Veronica Belmont. Or Veronica Belmont. <laughs> Look at how pathetic she sounds. And also, welcome to Buzz Out Loud, CNET.com's podcast of indeterminate length, episode number 186. We will be talking about RFID and putting on our tinfoil hats. We'll be talking about the PS3 and Google replacing all online stores in Europe. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> and also cold season. Yeah, no, and, and flu remedies from Veronica. <laughs> Why am I always the one that's sick? Oh, no, I was sick a couple weeks ago. Oh, okay. yeah. Remember me at CES? Come on. Probably gave All right, it to you. You were sick at CES. That's true. Anyway, Windows XP on a Mac. The contest is over. It's over. Officially over. Yes. I, did, I did not uh, win. A winner. And, it was and the winner Veronica. was Veronica. <laughs> no, it wasn't. No. The uh, winner was Narf. Narf. <laughs> Narf. Snarf. He took over the world. Uh, managed to the technically challenging feat. Photos were posted on Flickr. We were all wondering, is this actually real? Mm-hmm. There was a video. We're like, that could even be faked. But uh, the uh, confirmation has come from the folks operating the contest. And, and $14,000. Is the winner of a nearly $14,000 prize. Woo-hoo. Wow. Wait, Tom, did you just make an Animaniacs reference? Yes, I did. All right, I was just checking. <laughs> Moving on. Can't get anything past you, even in cold season, can we? <laughs> um, she's a pop culture wonder. Um, congratulations, Narf. Impressive work. <laughs> <laughs> and as one person on the forum put, and then this is totally just being the like Debbie Downer sort of character. It's like, yeah. well, great. Yeah, Windows XP on a Mac. How about running OS ten on a PC? Blah, blah. Oh, I could totally do that. You know, actually, people have done that before. Yes, it's, they it's have not done that big that of a before. deal. Running this is the first time Windows XP has been run on a Mac because of the Intel architecture. Right. Mm-hmm. Why would you want to do this? Maybe because of work, and you just like the design and the, the way the Mac feels. Maybe you can dual boot. Right. I would like to you be know? able to dual boot. I would like to be able to have a MacBook Pro and be able to use it for work and also for all my great Mac apps that I have at home. You know. Yeah, that'd be sweet. One world, sweet. one operating system. No, two, just dual booting. <laughs> Also, plus, really, like people just, it. Of course, you want to do it because you want to do it because it's cool because it's Everestish. Uh, story that cold. Uh, we would have gotten to yesterday, and we should actually. We were going to talk about that. Oh yeah, let's start by apologizing. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to bring that up, but we already seemed to have a good flow. So I didn't. here's how Shawn Michael in Grand Rapids puts it: I want to express my complete and total loss at the lack of a show today. You see, when a group of people produce and put on one of the best podcasts in history, well, thanks. Yeah, we didn't write this i swear one that is as informative educational and entertaining as bol it hits a nerve with the psyche of the international public (laughs) and anyway he says you can't just not have a show on a weekday all right he also goes on to list a uh, a whole chain of events that could proceed from missing a buzz out loud episode that ends in nuclear war and nuclear war which i can't you might be loving us a little too much there no i can see that happening i was dealing with snakes on a plane. Literally. Tom, I have pictures. Some to snakes show, on a plane. I was off having. You were abducted by a life. van of Sony executives. Yes, that. And, and took you to undisclosed location. Sick and miserable. I anyway. Home early. It will happen extremely rarely, we promise. And you know, sometimes we try to double up, give you an interview and a second podcast. Mm-hmm. So, But mostly, we're just really sorry. Not really of indeterminate frequency, but. <laughs> We're just really sorry. We're sorry. Okay, so let's get back to the news. We would have talked about yesterday's the PS3 uh, announcement that it will come out in November. Mm-hmm. And next week, the PSP will come out for $200. And I don't know that's if you a, know. That's a nice that's a price. price. Drop. Yeah. 
Also kind of interesting because they just kind of haven't really been selling very well, it sounds like. The we'll PSP. Maybe this will help. Maybe. Well, that's what you do when something slows down finally yeah. in sales. You drop yeah. the price. You make and it cheaper. Boost it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it might help. I don't know. Maybe. It's a nice price. But we I all, we all kind of thought the PS3 was going to get de- delayed until November, and now it has. Yeah. The so big, it's not that surprising. The big news is that it will launch in mid-November um, with a pre-Black Friday release promised, which means that should they accomplish this, then Microsoft will not get two straight U.S. holiday seasons in a row, which is pretty huge. And maybe we'll be able to uh, give away some PS3s during the holiday help desk next year. Oh, <laughs> or this yeah. year. That would what be it, awesome. What it does sound like it'll set up, though, right, is a PS3 Nintendo sh- holiday showdown. Right, because the revolution's supposed to come out around the same time, yeah. correct? And Windows Vista. Oh, well. <laughs> Clearly, I'd rather have Windows Vista I mean, than obviously. a PS3. <laughs> so Microsoft console. will be in the mix. If you buy just one piece of technology <laughs> this holiday season. <laughs> Windows Vista. Windows, Windows, in Windows. The world. <laughs> Windows, Windows, Windows. Um, yeah, I mean, I think... Hopefully this is not just optimism and they can actually get it out then because otherwise they're going to be in big trouble. But I think part of the problem seems to be that they're so reliant on Blu-ray and the completion of all the Blu-ray specs and stuff. But then they were talking about the delay hurting Blu-ray also. Anyway, it's just a big mess and all the analysts say it's a big error. All right. When we come back, we will have more on RFID and we'll talk about (laughs) cyber insects and Google Base. Do you believe anything is possible at Earthlink? We do. We believe the same company that delivers your lightning-fast DSL connection can deliver your home phone service and wireless service, too. One company for all your communication needs. Visit earthlink.net and start believing today. Earthlink. We revolve around you. We didn't say anything that time. Thank you. (laughs) We gasped a little, but we didn't say anything. Right. So moving on to the more news. (laughs) I hate that thing. (laughs) I just wish I never had a cell phone. Um, RFID tags are vulnerable to viruses. This is dish E. A group of European computer researchers have demonstrated that it is possible to keep calling. Oh, to insert a software virus into radio frequency identification tags, otherwise known to you as RFID tags. Okay, so So this is really scary. That is officially pretty scary. Because... What if in the future you have an RFID chip in your arm uh-huh. and you get a virus uh-huh. and then you have all the little nanos inside your body that are like, you know, working on your body, fixing your bones, whatever, whatever they're going to do in the future. <laughs> okay. Yep. And We're far get, in the future. Okay. And, um, I'm, I'm, I'm caught up now. Okay. We're post So the nanobots are Wicked fixing fa. your body. Got they're, it. they're fixing my body and all right. my RFID chip gets a virus yep. and the virus takes over the nanobots. Nanoplague. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the nanobots have RFID chips in them? They're like Bluetooth enabled or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, because at some point you'll have transmission <laughs> capability of the yeah. RFID, the viruses and oh, the totally, tags totally. to the, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. We're screwed. Anyway, we're doomed. Um, RFID, <laughs> nanoplag- yeah. RFID enabled nanoplag. Here it comes. <laughs> Until now, most computer security experts have discounted the possibility of using tags, known as RFID chips, to spread a computer virus because of the tiny amount of memory on the chips. Right. But uh, somebody has figured out how to exploit, I believe it's a buffer overflow. So the the yeah. idea here is that it would be able to spread through the chips and then back into the trackers. 
right. and cause damage that way. And so far, this I is... I mean, not to belittle the nanobots problem. <laughs> in the, right. You wouldn't dare. In the near term, <laughs> pre-nanoplague, the near term is that basically you'd be able to dramatically interfere. Because they use RFID a lot now in factories and for identification for letting people into buildings. So potentially you could have security threats in secure facilities if people are able to... Is that what our badges are? Um, I don't know. I don't Maybe. think so. I don't think so. That I seems a little... I think they're a magnetic strip. Oh. That seems a little over the top. Um, I think at this point, you know, obviously it's it's like those viruses that they make that are just proof of concept. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And it, But it is it does raise more concerns. Well, it could obviously. also uh, raise the possibility of not actually being destructive or being malware, but actually uh, pulling information and rebroadcasting it elsewhere. And yeah. you wouldn't even know it was there. So then you have to start running antivirus on RFID systems. So there's a lot of implications to this. Yeah. And they, they use one example of, um, cause they use these a lot in luggage tags in airports. And so they said a virus from an infected tag on luggage passing through an airport could be picked up when it's scanned by the luggage handling control systems and then spread to tags attached to other pe- pieces of luggage, which could, for example, be used by a smuggler to cause a piece of luggage to avoid security systems. Well, that's when you send in the cyber insects. That's right. The Pentagon plans a cyber insect army, <laughs> according to the BBC. Luckily, the military is way ahead of us on all of this. So when <laughs> the R- cured the when the piece of luggage, yeah, with its spoofed RFID chip, gets through security, then the microelectromechanical butterfly <laughs> will fly in Sweet. and disarm it. <laughs> Wait, Experts, what? I love this. No, the best though is in, on the BBC story. Experts told the BBC some ideas were feasible, but others seemed quote ludicrous. Well, I like. I really some like the cyber picture. insect problems. I like the picture of them implanting the chip into the butterfly, into the pupa, and then it turns into the a pupa. butterfly and used to sniff out explosives or transmit conversations. Are the well, butterflies smart? Like, do they know what to do, or are they just remote controlled? I think that, no. I think the idea here is that the MEMS actually kind of interface with their neurological system and oh, control that's them. Weird, yeah. And you'd control a little butterfly, and the then you're, you're kind of MEMS. Yeah, the microelectrical mechanical systems are pretty cool. Nobody has quite figured out exactly what they can be used for yet, but there's a million potential. Could uses. it potentially have the use to turn people into a zombie army? Yes, potentially it could. <laughs> it love, wasn't the first thing that I thought of, I but love it should have been. Podcast. <laughs> DARPA believes scientists can take advantage of the evolution of insects such as dragonflies and moths in the pupa stage. Through each metamorphic stage, the insect body goes through a renewal process that can heal wounds and reposition internal organs around foreign objects. That, so obviously, this is so Philip K. Dick. Put in a mem- by the way. I mean, this <laughs> is like awesome. This is the dangerous future. And then uh, they wrote a whole proposition where they referred to the insect cyborgs. <laughs> so cool. They How are you, cyborgs. What do I have to do to work at DARPA? I want uh, to. You they have, have security clearance. They have pretty cool oh. hats, too. And then I love on the BBC, <laughs> they also have a picture of like a cute kitty. And then it says, animals in warfare. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't scroll down far enough. You would never that. suspect <laughs> this kitty was dangerous. <laughs> it's like there were, didn't, when, like, the, it's, oh, man. DARPA but apparently is cool. in. The, they invented the internet. Apparently after. in World War II. Um, they thought of potentially attaching bombs to cats and dropping it from and a dive bomber onto Nazi ships. And the dolphins from the Vietnam War. Why yeah. would you drop cats with bombs strapped to them onto ships? <laughs> because, that makes no sense at all. Because the cats hate water, and therefore they would wrangle themselves onto the enemy ship's deck. However, in tests, which I consider to be horrible, the cats became unconscious in midair. Yeah, and also like hitting the water at yeah. whatever speed it is from the yes. height they're trying. well because you're not supposed that... to pick up cats fast then they thought it makes them dizzy yeah then they thought that they could in world war ii also attach incendiaries to bats induce hibernation and then drop them from planes 
In other words, we've come a long way. Then presumably the bats would wake up, fly into factories, and blow up. But unfortunately, the, fa- the, cat, the bats failed to wake from hibernation, and they fell to their deaths. Oh, poor animals. Dude, seriously, military, get out of the critter biz. You're not that good with I don't this. know. I think they got something with the butterfly. Just build them. Just build a remote control butterfly. Why, oh, you know? it's so much more complicated to actually build the intricate system of a butterfly that would fly. And if it's a real butterfly, nobody's going to notice. They're just going to say, oh, butterfly. <laughs> oh, weird. A butterfly here in the desert. Come on. Whereas a mechanical butterfly couldn't fly through security because it would set off the uh, alarm. Oh. You're telling me they're going to try to fly a monarch butterfly through security <laughs> exactly. or something with a little, <laughs> an insect cyborg? Yes. I think it's going to set off the alarm. Uh, Google Base. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm talking about. The, Google... the nano alarm. That's what it is. Google Base in Europe is set <laughs> to replace eBay. Uh, Google would index and package information from brick-and-mortar stores, creating an online presence instantly for these stores without a lot of cost or setup. So it's basically free. Mm-hmm. Store goes in, creates a Google-based profile, puts all their inventory in there. They're going to have great. to pay uh, somebody to enter the info. But once it's in, you've got a virtual supermarket. Man. They really should do that in the U.S. Yes. I think I'd really like that. Except that you know who wouldn't really like that? Amazon. Amazon. <laughs> Well, and that's and what's eBay. interesting is this is the European arm. So I, I don't know if this means that Google is a little leery of doing it in the U.S. yet. Uh, but one of the reasons they said in the Slashdot posting here is that uh, uh, many leading European retailers did not feel they were competitive enough online. Whereas yeah. you've got Amazon and eBay over here. So. Well, it is interesting because the um, Slashdot posters, who are, of course, unimpressed, say that it's essentially that's what frugal is. Except that you can search by price. Well, but that's, yeah, but frugal, that's all online stores. No, and see, that's the difference. Frugal is for stores that are already doing this. Mm-hmm. This is for stores that aren't online yet. Right. Well, so this gets you online. What this actually is, is the kind of um, top secret short-lived beta or whatever that was Google catalog. Do you remember that? Oh, no. I don't, no, I, it was I don't a catalog search. It was really strange. I wrote a column about it a long time ago that was just like, what are they doing? But basically, you would search... It, they had scanned catalogs. And so you could be like, I don't know, camel mohair sweater, you know, and then you'd search and you'd get a list of catalogs. But to me, that was just weird. And that is kind of the potential problem with this, which who is buys like, things out of catalogs. Oh, I'm going to get flamed for that. <laughs> the same people who buy things online. Yeah. Cyborg butterfly. Um, <laughs> I know this story is a huge letdown after the incendiary bats and the cyborg butterflies. But, <laughs> but it's sort of people don't necessarily... I mean, I think people tend to shop sometimes by store brand or by price, but you're not necessarily like, let's see, today I really want to find like a cashmere shrug. And then you search for it and then some it comes up in some stores. I mean, I don't, it's a, kind of well, an odd okay. way to One shop. One thing that I do like is how Comp USA, for example, when I was going through the whole TiVo debacle, debacle yeah. it um like I, you can, it tells you what things are in the store. So I'm like looking that. for a product. It's like, yes, we have this in stock in the store. Do you want to put it on hold? Mm-hmm. And you say yes, and you do it. And that's hey, the idea it. with Google Base for the store that isn't already online. Right. Hey, you know um, who also does that? Just a little plug. Who? CNETshopper.com. Oh. With our little local shopping. Oh, really? Yeah, well, I they, love it. I've just started using it lately. Love it. They do it for any store that puts their inventory online. Yeah, for any store that puts their inventory online. It could interface but with it google tells base. you like if they it tells you if there's that store near you and if it has it in stock near you yeah if that store is online which google base allows stores that aren't online to go online and then they could also be featured in that system oh they do oh submit a list of goods and prices i yeah. see why wouldn't they just create their own online stores because it's too hard that's why they oh, haven't whatever. done it so far they haven't don't want to hire the programmers they don't want to go through the so the, this is also competition for yahoo stores exactly now y'all are getting it i, I would, got it 
Yeah, I didn't get it because I was still thinking about the bats. <laughs> <laughs> and that's understandable. But yeah, so in other words, I run, you know, Pet Shop on Terraval right. in San Francisco. I don't want to spend a lot of money, but now I go use Google Base. Boom. I put up all my stuff, hire somebody to just enter all the stuff, yeah. set up a system to enter and pull it off as it sells. So forget, now I'm online. So forget kind of even Amazon and eBay. It's totally a Yahoo Stores competitor. I think it's both. More than anything yeah. or mm-hmm. both, yeah. That is weird that they're only doing it in Europe then. Well, I think there's just must be a wider market Google, for people. Google, what is your end game? Well, they're I'll hiring lobbyists part of their plan, here. Exactly. Yeah. Part of their plan is to increase their presence in Washington, which makes a lot of sense because they've been getting in... All kinds of hot water everywhere lately. People are suing them. And then there's the telcos lobbying to have to charge them more. Telcos is a great example for this story because the telcos have huge lobbying empires in Washington, D.C. Because they have been around forever. Mm -hmm. Google pulls out the big gun and hires the son of House Speaker Dennis Hastert to be part of their lobbying team. They're not wasting time. Google, like, doesn't really mess around. Well, and we should be clear, he is a lobbyist. It's not like they just, you know, went out and found him. Yeah, but he's got to have contacts. He is as part of a team of lobbyists from the firm Podesta Mattoon. (laughs) Podesta Mattoon, next on the attack list of the butterfly. Uh, Anyway, to champion its interest in privacy, compensation, and China, among other issues. What I want to know is how do you not be evil and pay lobbyists? Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. That right there is a cognitive dissonance. Yeah. I mean, but what are you going to do? Like, you have to fight fire with fire. That's, that's, that's what happens. That's why you happens. just don't put don't be evil in your thing, because you, you're going to be a business, right? Yeah. You're going to be you evil know? eventually. Is it's that like, what you think? You have yeah. to be a little evil to be a business? I do. To be a really successful, huge multinational corporation, yeah. Veronica? Yeah. Or at least yeah. you have to do things that are going to seem evil to the public because they're not going to totally understand... How, you know, it's you're going to have to be a little bit contradictory. It's like being a politician. You have to be evil a little bit, too. It's too bad. I know. It's a hard world in which we live. Uh, this is not a new story, but as we get closer and closer to the 30th anniversary of Apple, uh, we're rounding up and kind of taking stock of all the Apple rumors that are out there. Mm-hmm. And we got a couple interesting things. Uh, Sean Conway posted on the News.com blog uh, the fact that seven patents have recently been filed with the USPTO for touch-sensitive screens oh. on behalf of Apple. Yay. Uh, in particular, U.S. patent application number 200-600-53387 is for operation of a computer with a touchscreen interface. Mm-hmm. And there's another one for integrated sensing display. Yes. Uh, so it should have applications with the iPod, perhaps? But there's a lot of rumblings or about this. a lot of talk about a tablet, of mm-hmm. course. And um, could touchscreens be a key to Apple's own origami? Also, uh, you got, I don't know, you know, there's some other inside information skitting around yes, out there. Yes, tell us the inside information. I can't but, tell you uh, the inside information. You don't have inside information. That was though. not told to me in any journalistic All capacity. Right. Oh. But there's some other anyway. things that might lead you to think that a video, a new iPod might, yes. be, might be coming along. I have suggestion of a new iPod. Um, speaking of things that Apple does and things you could put on your iPod... Uh, apparently the first <laughs> now it says on our forums that the first a movie, lame movie. <laughs> has appeared on iTunes yeah a really lame movie they'd never want it to watch it is a movie well it's a made for television movie yeah but since their paradigm so far has been that they sell television this is still television <laughs> but it's a movie God. it's not a theater movie what it is is a really it's long a film it's a long television show but it's, it's nine ninety nine. Yes. Really what we're talking about is the Disney show. original movie, High School Musical. The original Disney made for television movie. One hour and thirty nine minutes. <laughs> it's 
<laughs> Longer than a sitcom. <laughs> okay, you win. <laughs> it's thirty nine minutes longer than Lost. It definitely should not be nine ninety nine. The no. big deal, That's yeah. The big deal is that it's nine ninety nine. So that suggests that if they are going to put other movies, the kind that get shown on the movie screens on iTunes, they're going to be hecka expensive. It's a little uh, toe testing the water thing. They just kind of slipped. <laughs> yeah, I said it. <laughs> they slipped it into hecka. the to the TV shows menu, and mm-hmm. then. Uh, oh, you know, oh! It's see. in the TV shows menu. Is yeah, it? it is. Oh, weird. <laughs> they did. They slipped huh. it in the TV shows. Yeah, it in but there. they're charging nine ninety nine. That's. I wonder if that's just a typo. <laughs> Dear Apple, no one's going to buy movies on iTunes for nine ninety nine. You know where they're going to get them? Video Netflix. on demand. Oh, or that. I mean, if you're going to get a movie that you, you know, I, do I don't know, to. you're going to get on demand, or you're going to get pay per view, or you're maybe going to get Netflix, but nine ninety nine for. Or maybe over the over the web, a you know, for res- some of these these places yeah. that are popping up. I mean, somebody's going to come along with a model, mm-hmm. but nine ninety nine. Come I know. on, give me a break, just to put that on my new fancy iPod. Ooh. I guess it's. I mean, the idea would be if. I mean, let's forget the High School Musical. Let's let's say that they put the Godfather up, or mm-hmm. you know, something really worthwhile. You know, then does nine ninety nine sound right? Because you'd pay twenty five twenty dollars for the DVD of that. No. No? No. Because that's half don't... price. Yeah, but is it going to be iPod size? I mean, come on. For iPod, yes, yeah, it will. Then no. <laughs> well, no, but I'm saying, like, yeah. one of the speculations has been that if they start selling movies on iTunes, that they'll be higher res. They'll be like, you can watch them on your TV. Right. Because they've got the Mac Mini integration now, would and that the make discoverability. A difference for you, then? $9.99. Still no. cheaper than a DVD. Yeah, but it's not necessarily cheaper than on demand or pay per view. Which is usually not, or you're not the meant download to services. keep it. Yeah. The download services are cheaper. The download what are, services. What are they usually? Oh. I haven't actually used them. I don't yeah, really I know if they're cheaper either. or not. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're nine ninety nine. Maybe they are nine ninety nine. I guess we'll have to find out. I just I think it's a little too much. Well, you know, you're gonna have to pay this cost until we figure out net neutrality so we can pay for all that <laughs> bandwidth. <laughs> Apple's gonna have to yeah, if we let me put it this way. If we get a two tiered internet, then those movies are suddenly gonna cost twelve ninety nine as Apple is forced to pass costs onto you, the consumer. Well unless you buy to, them uh, from your telco, which they'll be seven ninety nine. Right. Because, and they'll get to you way faster. Yeah. Uh the more more news on Ugh. net neutrality uh as the debate starts to heat up on Congress. Uh Congress people <laughs> tending to lean against any legislation, mm-hmm. but man, there is just some slippery slope uh, action going on in the debate from the side of the telcos. They are so good at this. I know they are so sneaky. They're such well, you know what they are? They're such liars. That well, they 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 skate that line of of sounding perfectly normal. Like, for instance, here's a quote: Today, consumers who want access to high bandwidth applications like video must subscribe to expensive broadband packages. What? what? This is, I mean, this plays to people who don't have broadband. It does. Well, it's also the packages that they themselves right. offer. These consumers may not need all this bandwidth all the time. But today they're forced to pay a flat fee for a set slice of net access. What? That's always the way it's been. Yeah. You pay to get on the internet. It's not like you're paying for bandwidth you don't use. No. That's like saying you overpay for a car when you rent it and only drive 40 in town. Because it's capable of 150. Ooh, nice. Good metaphor. I mean, servers pay for bandwidth. People pay for access. Yeah. And yeah, you get a speed of access and there is bandwidth consideration, but it's not like that's the only thing you're paying for. No. It's just misleading because it has that element of truth. It's like, well, yeah, when I sign up, I want, you know, the fastest access I can get. Mm hmm. But it's not like you're sitting there going, I'm not using all my possible yeah, access. Not, or what? 
nobody uses all that. And you bandwidth is a ceiling. It's like you can't go faster than this. Right. It's not like it's the not, human brain. You're, you're only paying using 5% per of bit. It's Dude, a, that would be throughput, I think. There's so I just you have to wonder. And this is part of the like, do, how evil are you when you're a huge company? Do they know? Oh, it gets better. How misleading this is? If network operators were able to provide priority to this video traffic through their network and charge the content providers for this priority, their customers could access their content over lower speed broadband connections. In this scenario, a tiered service could actually benefit consumers. What? So in other words, if they can shift the cost to the content providers like Google, they can then charge customers less, but also give them lower bandwidth. Nice. Just what we want from you. (laughs) And then we'll be getting higher costs from, for example, Google. So all in all, it's a wash. Uh, represent- and we have slower internet for, for just email. And we have slower web pages. And Representatives we- oh, from the phone companies say them. fears of unfair content delivery are unfounded because customers would not allow this to happen. We, would we have a choice? I mean, yeah. if you own all the backbones. Exactly. And if you're the only one selling the packages, customers shouldn't let this happen from the outset. And neither should Congress. I mean, what what I am happy to hear is that there's a debate. (laughs) Well, yeah, and that that Google's hiring a lobbyist. (laughs) Yeah, because for a while it looked like they were going to be able to just kind of skate right through with this. And and I think what they're seeing now is customers and consumers and lobbyists and other companies saying, oh, no, 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 no. Well, they've like, got, you can do all the fancy talk you want. They've got two fancy things that they say on their side, too. One is they keep saying, like, we're not going to degrade service. We're just going to add service, mm-hmm. which is technically true. It's very clever. What they're talking about is not degrading the current service, but right. as speeds become increased, they would charge content providers to take advantage of those speeds. Mm-hmm. So you're basically locking everyone in at the current level right. unless you pay. Right. So it's, it's a little well, slippery, you know. And they say. That they're not going to degrade service. Well, and they wouldn't have to, right? It's like, oh, if you're getting 150 down right now, you'll everybody will still go on 150 down. But as bandwidth improves, as it has mm-hmm. over time, only people who pay us will get to come through the higher bandwidth. Right. Everybody else will be stuck at the lower speeds. And the result, essentially, is degraded service compared to what you could get. And the other thing they keep saying is, we don't think it's a good idea for the government to be involved, which that triggers everybody because everybody has the reaction of like, yeah, you're right. We don't want the government to mess this up. Ugh. Yeah, and that's the part that's creepy is the government saying, yeah, it's true. We don't want to impose a bunch of regulations, but see, I'm sorry. The government's not going to be able to stay out of telecom. Well, they never and, have been. I mean, but out of out of and, broadband. And, yeah, exactly. Why? There's just no way. Yeah, you're right. They've never been out of telecom. There's no reason to think that they'll be able to keep their hands off the Internet. They, and, it, and government wouldn't need to be involved, in my opinion, if there's enough competition on the backbones that content providers could get around it. But it, right. it's this virtual but instead, monopoly. Well, yeah, and instead you have increasing consolidation mm-hmm. in those telecoms. Creepy. All right, let's move on to uh, addressing a rumor. We were talking on Tuesday about Dell possibly buying Alienware, and that has not happened. Dell has moved to quash the rumors. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alienware has denied the rumors in the past, but yeah, you know, know. We'll, we'll still wait and see. The speculation is still out there. Alienware's denials are not, this is not going to happen either. There's, they remain, we will not comment on these stories. Well, a high-end vendor told CNOT.com's senior associate editor Rich Brown a deal has been done and his company has received an influx of resumes from Alienware employees. So that was yeah. the piece of information that Rich passed along that caused the speculation to begin. So, yep. so we'll see. Dell denies it, Alienware denies it, but even if it was true, they'd almost have to deny it at this point. Yeah. So... 
We're not saying here on Buzz out loud one way or another, but this is this is the speculation yeah, this is that's going on. Just what we heard out loud. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> IBM says uh, no one can think good anymore. Yep, all the new ideas are done. Anybody who's studied history just knows that this is always the case with silly. people who. I mean, this goes back to the Renaissance, where people were like, "Oh, all the new ideas have been done." Yeah. you know, the Greeks finished it all off, and now that we've relearned it, there's no more new ideas, and that was wrong. IBM saying next big thing no longer exists. Companies all want to know if they can make a profit from the get go. So there's no research just for research sake. So there won't be as much innovation. They're not that's saying there just, won't be any. That's but just sad to hear a technology company say that. You know what? I was just at South by Southwest and I think they're wrong. There's that's a ton totally of innovation wrong. going on. It's just not going on in big companies anymore. Mm-hmm, exactly. IBM. All right. That's all we got today for today. Um, really quick one email from Jason from Philly and something that we will you should look for in the newsletter. Um, apparently, a study says that DRM'd music shortens battery life by 25% because it's constantly revalidating the license. We'll uh, include the links in the uh, in the newsletter. And all we have to say about that is, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, See? Another, just another reason. Another brick in the wall. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you want to keep abreast of the day's news, check out our sister site at news.com for updates throughout the day on what's happening in the tech world and check out the news.com podcast. Uh, you should also subscribe to the Buzz Out Loud newsletter by going to podcast.cnet.com and looking for the word newsletter. Yes, in the intro. And then, of course, you may email us, buzz at cnet.com. And call us, 1-800-616-CNET. Post to the forums, forums.cnet.com. Look for the Buzz Out Loud Loud. That's all, folks. Bye. 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 Bye.